the morning about break of day. That's when my baby went away. Trying and clean don't do me no good. Come back, baby, wish you would. Hello, welcome to the People of St. James podcast. My name is Alice Killian, and today I'm talking with Jahan Sedki. Hi, Jahan. Hello. Thank you for this. <laughs> oh, thank you. Am I pronouncing your name correctly? It's hard to pronounce. It's Jean. Jean. Yeah, it's okay. hard to pronounce. So you, you did really well. <laughs> it takes people a few, a few tries. <laughs> Hi, Jean. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so you and your family joined St. James right before the pandemic. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like? Yeah, we uh, found out we were going to be moving to Boston uh, in February of 2020. And um, so we were very excited about, you know, the, the idea of moving here. We had lived in New York for about 20 years. Um, and so we came sort of looking for an apartment or a place to, you know, a new home. And, but it was very important to us to find, you know, a home for our spiritual self. And I had looked online at different churches and so on. And we just really loved the whole feel of St. James, everything about it, the community feel there is a children's choir, which is really important to our little girl. And so we came and we made a point of coming to mass um i think it was it was most likely the first week of march so that first sunday in march so i mean we were hearing about the pandemic it was in the news we were a little uptight about you know traveling and so on um but yeah we came to mass we loved it um and then the following week we were in back in well we went back to new york the following day and a week later, we were in lockdown. Yeah. So. So were, did you have to go house hunting during lockdown or had you found a place? Again, we did it online. Uh, everything online. Mm -hmm. We did it online. Yeah. But we were very fortunate. We found a place right next to the church. So we can walk to church and, you know, walk to um, the tea and so on. So we're very happy. But it was, yeah, I was very lucky. It was crazy, yeah. And as, it, as it's happening, you don't really realize the gravity of the situation. Totally, yeah. You know, it's like you could just kind of take it a day at a time, a week, you deal with them, what's in front of you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but we, we were so grateful that we found it <laughs> right before. Yeah. It seems kind of slightly miraculous that you got to go in person once, you know, before. We did. Yeah. We did. And uh, Sophia was with us and we were just so happy. Everyone was so sweet and welcoming. And we just felt like, okay, this is right. This is the right place for us. You know? uh, we're so, so happy you're joining us and we'd love to, you know, welcome you as much as we can, which would be more except, you know, pandemic is. Of course. <laughs> yeah, no, of course we already feel, you know, we feel so welcomed and and humbled and happy. Um, Sophia is really looking forward to starting choir again, hopefully, you know, whenever in the fall or whenever we can. 
Um, but mm -hmm. she's, you know, as you know, she's had an opportunity to sing uh, virtually and it's, it's really sweet. It's really lovely for her. I, yeah, I want to thank you and your family for, you know, helping out with our Christmas pageant and our Easter play. That was, no, that was, it was lovely. Great for us. It was great for us, actually. It was really lovely. Really. I realized that um, some, many people listening to this don't know you. Could you just uh, name the names of who's in your family in here in Cambridge yeah. and sure. the other? <laughs> yeah. So... I'm Jeanne, my husband's Alfred. Um, we have three kids. The eldest is Alexandre, he is in college. Um, and then we have two girls who live with us still. Mikaela is 17, she's a junior. Um, and Sophia is 10 going on 11. Um, so yeah, we're all here now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you, did I think I heard heard you say that you maybe had family around here? Yeah, so I have a brother and my sister-in-law and their children live in Marblehead. Oh, lovely. Uh -huh. So we were, that, that's one of the reasons we were really excited to come closer to them. I don't have much family. I mean, I don't have any family other than them in the United States. So um, it was really important to be able to do that. We, My brother and I haven't lived close to each other since we were, you know, young adults so it's been it's lovely it's really mm -hmm. um and we, we just love we love cambridge we love i mean i i went to tufts many many years ago so i have some familiarity with the area mm -hmm. and um, my husband works at mit so he's thrilled um you know mm -hmm. with, with his job there and my job is um, based at harvard and it was quite well the idea was to come closer to my boss who's based in harvard because mm -hmm. I used to work virtually from New York. But the uh -huh. irony is, of course, we got here. <laughs> I've never I haven't seen him yeah. once since we got here, other than, you know, on Zoom. Yeah. So, but it'll, you know, it'll all work out in the end. It's just mm -hmm. where, where we are now. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's an, you've had an interesting journey just coming here. And I'm reminded of your uh, describing a little bit or mentioning to me that you had a 30-year journey that culminated in something exciting that happened in your life a little over a month ago. You got U.S. citizenship. Yes. So, <laughs> I, I can't tell you how, how uh, intense an experience that was. Um, Please tell know. me everything about it. <laughs> yes. Well, where to start? I mean, the th when I say 30 year journey is because I'm from Egypt. So mm -hmm. I grew up in Egypt. My dad was a, a surgeon in Egypt. My mom is French. So she met my dad when she was 20 something years old. She went to visit Egypt just, you know, as a tourist. Mm -hmm. And um, her one of her close friends in, Egypt, in France had told her, oh, you know, my brother lives in Egypt. And why don't you you know, look them up, whatever. Anyway, mm -hmm. long story short, they got married a year later and she moved <laughs> to Egypt at that point. So I was raised there. I was, and um, it was a wonderful childhood. Uh, my dad was Coptic. He passed mm -hmm. away 20 years ago, but he was Coptic mm -hmm. um, and my mom Catholic. And um, he was, you know, from 
my earliest days that I can remember, he had a plan for us, for my, me and my brother, and that was that we would someday become American. Hmm. It was really so important to him. Um, and he would just always tell us the future is there. You know, you bring with you, um, you know, your culture and our values, but the future is there. You need to, well, you need to become American. Mm-hmm. So he took us out. We were like, I remember I was maybe f- I was five, actually. I was five years old. I was in a um, in a school in Egypt, a private school, Egyptian private school that um, was supposedly uh, teaching English, like as a second language. Mm-hmm. And my dad knew English. He spoke English very well. And he went to speak to the English teacher and he realized very quickly that she didn't speak any English at all. So he pulled us out of that school. I, I'll never forget it. Like within a week, we were in the American school, which was obviously for us such a big deal. I mean, it was a shock to the system. We didn't speak English. We didn't know anything about the American culture. Um, but it was a wonderful experience. We were embraced and um, accompanied in our journey. Our, I remember my kindergarten teacher, she would always had me on her lap because I think she probably felt sorry for me, but she always had me on her lap. And within a few months I spoke English and um, my brother was I think in the third grade. Um, But, and my dad actually bought us a dog um, right at that time. Cause we were like all kids, we were begging for a dog. And he told us that the dog only spoke English. And of course we believed him. (laughs) So, here we are trying to, the dog, of course, only spoke Arabic. I mean, only understood Arabic. The poor dog is like clueless. Um, so this is just to give you examples of how for my father, it was um, not just like a dream. It was really a, a mission for him to, you know, provide his children the opportunity to become American, not just because, of course, a better life, you know, more opportunities. He truly felt um, admiration for this country, which was really um, very genuine and deep and um, and heartfelt. So it was something that we he, we carried for years, um, and uh, we I moved to the United States when I when we went to college. Um, but then I worked for the United Nations after, like I went, I got a graduate degree, but then I ended up working at the United Nations and the United Nations, it's a complicated situation where for whatever reason, you cannot apply to become a citizen while you're at the United Nations. Interesting. So I had to kind of put that dream on hold for 20 years. I worked there 20 years. And then, and then I, I really thought about like, what do I really want? Like, I really want this. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I just, I really want this to be part of who I am. You know, my children are born here. My husband's American. And um, I feel it would be a, such a humbling experience to become American. So I left. I left the United Nations um, because it was just too important to me to mm-hmm. not do it. And I was blessed that I had um that my boss now <clears throat> who's at harvard um he was working at the united nations when i met him so we kind of transitioned our work 
um, so I can kind of continue what we had started with him. Um, and but you know, it's it's complicated, but it's it's I we so we I went to the ceremony. Yeah, and, you know, tell March. about the ceremony. I, I <laughs> yeah, so it's again, it's like you feel like a, a child, like a little girl mm. going to you know. Um, but because of COVID, of course, we couldn't, um, you know, we couldn't have family members, but. Did your husband go with you or was he it? He came, of course, he accompanied me there and he could like peek through the glass doors, <sighs> took a few pictures through the window. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what? It was, uh, it was just extraordinary to be there and to feel um, the intensity of the moment with the 10 people that were there with me who felt equally humbled and blessed and, mm -hmm. you know, and slightly scared that something might go wrong at the last minute. You know, you always have that fear that, oh, maybe I didn't bring the right paper and something's That library happen. book fine caught exactly. up with you. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's so nervous. <laughs> uh, and we're so used to, um, you know, being a little nervous. I think that's one thing that um, our children learned in traveling with us that I was always gonna be in the special line or the special yeah. search or the everything uh. was very polite, but I always was sort of pulled aside because of the Egyptian passport. Mm -hmm. So you always feel like, oh, maybe something is not gonna work out, but everyone there was so, um, appeared genuinely happy to welcome us as citizens, which I thought, you know what? No other country in the world has this approach. And I can tell you this from experience because, you know, my mother is French and I have strong ties there. I have family there. I, I go there every summer. My children speak French. But um, <laughs> there's a very different approach to immigrants, which is more like, Meh, I don't really want you around, but I guess mm -hmm. I have to tolerate it. And you're never going to be sort of French enough. And um, even myself as a French citizen with a French mother, mm -hmm. I was never fully accepted. Um, and but here it was a different feel altogether. The gentleman who was performing the ceremony he started by saying that he couldn't wait for us to become citizens 10 minutes mm. later. <laughs> you know, so oh. sweet. Um, and very moving, very mm -hmm. moving. So yeah, I still, of course, the like next day, literally I was at the post office to try to get my passport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> Did not waste a minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Could I ask, is your brother, does he have citizenship? He does. So he got his a few years ago. Um, he went through a similar process, um, you know, with his work and so on. So okay. yes, he did. And I remember at the time it was such a big deal. And, um, were you, you yeah. were maybe able to go in person to his, I don't know what do you call it. You know what, to the ceremony, they only allowed one person. Ah. So mm -hmm. we were all, of course, hoping we would be picked, but naturally he picked his wife. <laughs> <laughs> I think she earned it. But yeah, so they're there. I guess there's so many people that, you know. Mm -hmm. and, um, and do you know, do you know what it was like for your mom to 
you know, she moved from France to Egypt. Did she have a, a story about getting citizenship there or? Um, yes, she did. And, and vice versa too. My dad also got the French citizenship uh, eventually. Um, my mom came to Egypt. She was really young. I mean, she was in her early twenties, never left France, didn't speak a word of Arabic, just fell in love with an Egyptian man and just thought, uh, I just want to be with him. Mm -hmm. um, so the first year, my dad would always tell the story that the first year was really rough on her. Um, she lost a lot of weight and she just couldn't find her, like her um, community, you know? My dad was yes. at work a lot, he was a surgeon. And, um, and you know, French people like all cultures, but I think French people in certain ways are very set in their ways. Mm -hmm. um, and apparently my dad just sat my mom down after a year and said to her, listen, Egypt will not change for you. Mm -hmm. You know, you just, you have to learn the language. Mm -hmm. If you don't learn the language, you're going to be miserable. Mm -hmm. And she did. She, she learned the language and, um, and then she, it was like, she was set free. Uh -huh. It was beautiful. She, she loved it. I mean, she lived there 25 years um that, that's her I don't want to say home but it is certainly a big part of her life her friends her community everything is there um and does she and love it now she does absolutely mm -hmm. she absolutely does so there's something about learning a language that I think uh we often forget like we know you know, languages are great for children and the brain and this mm -hmm. and that, but you forget that a language is really an entry point into a culture. And the way in which people say things says a lot about how they see the world. Mm -hmm. And if you don't really fully understand that, it's really hard to, and if you're continually relying on people to speak your language, which is easy when you're French or English or American, mm -hmm. but you're missing out on a lot. Mm -hmm. You really yeah. are. And, and you're not fully integrated in the community because everyone's speaking a foreign language to you, mm -hmm. even though they can, and it's easy enough. It's not exactly. So yeah, she fell in love with the country. She really did. Um, and you know, she, my parents raised us with all the, my dad would always say, take the good, leave the bad, you know, both French uh, and Egypt, you know? Yes, yes, <laughs> take the good, leave the bad. And the same with us going forward from our past through this time of pandemic into our future, take the good, leave the bad. Sorry, yeah. it just resonated for me. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we, we, we did live in that, with that sort of as, as our family motto mm -hmm. and, you know, we were in a Coptic family. My dad is uh, was Coptic, and um, you know about you know depending on the sources, about ten to thirteen percent of Egyptians are Coptic Christians. Mm -hmm. um, and how did the faith thing work out between your parents? One being Catholic, one being Coptic. How did it was they... really easy because the Coptic mass is about three hours long. And so uh -huh. my dad was like, I'm not, I can't. So you, you do it. Your mass is much shorter. So <laughs> take the kids to your mass and uh, I'll be okay. <laughs> but, you know, I think that was like, he would joke about that. But I think my father had a, 
uh, a very, I don't want to say unique because it's not that unique in Egypt, mm -hmm. but he had an approach which was sort of, he would say, my relationship with God is mine. It's a very personal one. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't necessarily need all the other, you know, things that go along with it, mm -hmm. the good and the bad, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so he would go to church a lot, but not to mass. Mm -hmm. He needed to go into a church and pray. Mm -hmm. When we would drive by a church, I would see him, you know, sort of do the praying, cross. Yeah. And the cross sort of paying his respects, but um, he wasn't, uh, he didn't sort of uh, place enormous value on the mass as such mm -hmm. the same way that you know growing up in egypt in that time the 70s and 80s um you know if you think about the fact that you're in 10 percent minority mm -hmm. obviously the majority of the people around you are non-christians but we you know it never really occurred to us as children growing up there because we had well, most of our i think almost if not all our friends were muslim and you know, when it was religious holidays, we all went to each other's houses. They came to church at Christmas with us and they came over to celebrate Easter and we would go for Eid and Ramadan. We would not observe Ramadan, but we would certainly never dream of like drinking or eating in front of our Muslim friends while they were fasting. It's just so rude, you know? Yes. But that was something we were taught. Like you have to really respect our fellow citizens and, and our friends and their belief system. And in the end, and there's a lot of sayings in Arabic, mm -hmm. like, um, you know, that refer to God, like God will protect you or um, God willing is a very sort of common saying. It's, but it's across, the uh, Christians and Muslims both say it. It's not like, I think the media tends to, you know, sort of grab one or two sayings with the word Allah in it and make it like this big, you know, Islamic mm -hmm. fanatical. It's not. Mm -hmm. Allah just means God. And so we were raised in that environment where we were, it was not, we didn't think of it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Never thought about it. It was just like, you know, even now, you know, for any Christian holiday, all my Muslim friends are posting on, on you know, Facebook, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy Easter, my Christian friends. And we do the same, you know, for their holidays. It's just part of growing up there. That's so lovely. Yeah, it's it's really, um, I think um, it's very sad to see sort of a lot of the stereotypes now about the Muslim culture mm -hmm. because, you know, the Arab and Muslim culture is one of the most hospitable, generous, kind cultures I've ever encountered. Very humble too. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's misunderstood because people aren't exposed to it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, but I've yet to see someone even come to Egypt for a week or two and not walk away with a different understanding of what the culture is about. Because mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, and this idea of becoming American is also very Egyptian. Hmm. You know, it's very Egyptian. I mean, I remember the last time we went to Egypt, maybe three, four years ago, we try to go every 
two, three, maybe every three years, mm -hmm. all the five of us. And so, you know, you have a stack. We're at the airport coming back to the United States. We had a stack of four American passports and mine on top, the Egyptian one. <laughs> and the guy, the Egyptian guy in the Egyptian airport, he looks at the passports and he takes mine. He's like, we're 90 million people here trying to become American. You can become American. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Why are you still with the Egyptian passport? It's like, it's a long story. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting there. <laughs> but it's kind of the humor. It's ingrained. Yeah you know, mm -hmm. everyone's dream really. Yeah. Wow. Do your children speak Arabic? You said they spoke French and obviously English. Do they also speak Arabic? No. I mean, they're learning. The older two are learning now. Mm -hmm. which is, uh, very rewarding for me. Um, but they, no, they don't really speak Arabic. I, mm -hmm. It would be a, an extraordinary exaggeration to say that they speak it. Mm -hmm. you know they've heard me they they're familiar with phrases but now they don't speak mm -hmm. it but they're both very interested which is really the older two Sophia is still kind of struggling with the French so <laughs> we're taking one language at a time <laughs> That's very wise. <laughs> so she's very determined to learn French not because she has a lot of cousins in France her age that she'd like to communicate with um but the older two, Mikaela and Alexandra, are both learning Arabic. Mm -hmm. And it, it helps them understand the culture, you know, and where, like, the things that I do and say or, you know, they sort of, oh, okay, that makes more sense now. I'm excited for Mikaela because my youngest son studied Arabic at her high school, CRLS, with Mr. Dager, and it, he just loved it. I, I guess it's different from her for her because she's on Zoom classes, yeah. but yeah. in person, um, my son just got so much out of the class, and I remember just you know meeting and enjoying Mr. Dager so much and. At the end of the class, I think Mr. Dager gave each kid uh, recordings of things they had done in class uh, on CDs. You know, that's back. so nice. He's he was lovely, and it was a little frustrating because it was difficult for him to schedule Arabic in units so that kids students could take unit two after unit one and so on right, there right. were always odd things happening with the scheduling at school and because arabic wasn't you know something like english it yeah. would often get less weight in the sort of yeah. scheduling lottery yeah but. no that's great to know um i think Mikaela, uh, the first like weeks when they had were signing up for after school activities you know she she thought oh let me see what the arabic club you know Mm -hmm. oh, but everything's on zoom you know yes yes it can't um, it's not the, it's not the same right <laughs> yeah, but everyone was so sweet to her but she when she first logged on everyone was speaking in arabic so she was like oh i i, I don't know how to speak so but they were very nice to her um, but it was funny to me that she it was sweet that she she showed that kind of interest and initiative you know and um mr dager well back a few, you know, a few years ago, he was, at least when I knew him, he was such a wonderful teacher. I bet that when she goes in person, it will be even more rewarding for her. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think September will hopefully have a different, be in a different experience for that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you more about faith in God, but let me just check in with how 
the kids are feeling having moved to this new town. You know, you had lived in Cambridge or Somerville, you know, for Tufts before, but for them, it's brand new. And they moved here and suddenly everything was closed up and online. And do they, do they have a sense of putting down roots or as though they're going to like living here or is it still a work in progress? It's still a work in progress. I think uh, for Sophia, it's a little easier because she's in person. She's mm -hmm. in the Cambridge Friends School um, and they have very small classes mm -hmm. and they have extraordinary, they've taken extraordinary measures to keep the classroom safe. Mm -hmm. um, so, so it's been easier for her. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, when you're 10 and, you know, you can't really have friends over in the house, everything's outdoors in the winter, you know, mm -hmm. makes it difficult and so on. Um, so I think she's, she's doing, she will be okay. She, she will find her way and we'll help her. Mm -hmm. For Mikaela, it's, it was trickier because she was a junior when mm -hmm. we moved here. Yeah. Well, she's going to be senior in September. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's all virtual. Yes. Classes are all virtual. Um, but that said, I find she's really, I mean, I'm really in admiration of her because she's not only sort of stepped up to, you know, she's a very, uh, you know, she's very highly motivated academically and so on. But th that, not that I want to take that for granted, but that aside, which is already huge, she's really, like I said earlier, like she's taken the interest and time to try to see what's going on in the Arabic club. I know she went to the UN club too, to yeah. try and see what are they doing there? And, mm -hmm. um, you know, trying to be part of the church and, mm -hmm. and my, and her cousins live in Marblehead. So that's, that's been, great, <sighs> you know, cause they, they're close. Um, what ages are they? So they are um, 16 and 14. Ah, that's perfect for her. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So they're very close and it's kind of, it's quite nice for her to, to know that we can just go, you know, on, on a Saturday and spend the day outdoors with them. Yeah. Um, and she, you know, she, I think, um, I mean, of course for her, New York will always be, you know, she was born there. She spent 17 years there. So New York will always mm -hmm. be sort of her, her, um, her home home base, mm -hmm. um, but she's certainly um, very open to even seeing, you know, what there is to see, and you know, and she's she's made a few friends. Even I, I I'm amazed that she's been able to make friends. Mm -hmm. um, but certain, you know, a few girls have reached out to her and asked her if she wants to go for a walk or so on, and so. It's been really uh, pretty impressive, to be honest, yeah, because yeah. we worry. We worry about our teenagers, about our children. But I think uh, for us, we worry a lot about our teenagers and because it just seems like there's so much pressure. Yes, I agree. Colleges and the SAT, I think, was canceled like four times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not joking. We signed up, canceled, signed up, canceled. Yeah. And that's just nerve wracking. Yeah. So... I'm, I think, yeah, she's, she's on her way. She's, mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, she's excited about being able to go in person in the fall. Mm-hmm. And Sierra Les is, I mean, we've never stepped foot in the building, but <laughs> right. everything we've seen and read and, you know, observed <laughs> is uh, incredible. What an incredible community. Actually, she went, we went, we did go a few weeks ago to a National Honor Society ceremony that they held outdoors. Ah, uh, uh-huh. You know, so we were there, just, you know, mm-hmm. standing in line, whatever. And uh, so she gets her certificate, we take the picture. And then we're, you know, we don't know anyone. So it mm-hmm. wasn't like we were going to hang out and talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. So we're walking back towards the car and this gentleman's like, Mikaela. So we're both sort of semi-shocked. Mm-hmm. It was her English teacher. Oh. He was so sweet. He, he showed up and he said, I came to, to congratulate you. Oh, how nice. Uh, uh-huh. And he gave her a book. And uh, of course, she and I, we had to like be careful not to start bawling in front of him. Yeah. He could find us both kind of <laughs> crazy, but we, it was so moving for us. Yeah. You know, that he would do that. But he came there and it was really incredible. Yeah. So little things like that mean so much to her and to me mm-hmm. because it just shows people care. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not like you're just some anonymous person in a huge school where yeah. no one's going to ever notice you. Mm-hmm. That was sort of our worry. Yeah. Um, but so she's found her way. It's been quite, you know, it's mm-hmm. been really heartwarming to see. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know? I'm so glad because uh, it can be hard. Um, and yeah. for teenagers, I think m- more so, much more so. Um, so let me ask you about church and faith and God. Your experience of your faith, how has it changed from when you were a child, um, you know, going to mass in Egypt, I assume in Catholic churches and perhaps every so often in a Coptic church, something, you know, to go from that to um, living in America, um, going to church in New York. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me? <laughs> yes, yes. So, yeah. So growing up, my, my mom is Roman Catholic. So we went to the Roman Catholic church every, um, I think it was Saturday night because we had school on Sundays. Um, but the church, the, the priest there was, um, you can imagine like, you know, a lot of, I mean, I, I don't know. My impression is just from growing up in Egypt, that a lot of priests who work in Egypt, at least are extremely open-minded and Mm. um you know they've sort of dedicated their life to serving the poor Mm -hmm. so it's sort of what in my view is like what true christianity is about you know Mm -hmm. uh we had a jesuit who would teach us um you know like sunday school if you will Mm -hmm. come to our home before mass every week and he would play his guitar and when I think about it now, it's kind of hilarious. He, the whole class was like him on the guitar and we would color parables and so uh-huh. on. And then once a month he would say, okay, now it's confession time. And we'd say, okay. And so he would essentially, he would have my brother tell on me everything <laughs> I had done <laughs> as far as he knew. And then she took the bigger cookie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then, then I got, then I had my turn, but we were both like, so I think it was a good lesson in a way. Cause we both really didn't want to get the other one in trouble in any way. So we were both sort of like, well, you know, I guess she talked back to mommy or, you know, mm-hmm. 
And then he would ask us if we had anything else to add, like of our own mm. sins, which we might add one or two. And then we would sing a song and say a <laughs> prayer. And that was that. Uh. So that's sort of the culture in which I was raised. <laughs> and then every once in a while, we did go to the Coptic Mass because my there was an orphanage at the church where my father was part of, and he was a big um, supporter of that orphanage. Mm -hmm. And um, so we would go there every once in a while. And um, I think my memory of that mass was, because it's in Coptic, so you don't really understand, mm -hmm. but it's the incense. I have strong memories of the smell, mm -hmm. incense, and just the, the ceremony is so beautiful. It's just so grand you know mm -hmm. um so we would do that every once in a while for on special occasions or if there's someone was getting married or you know um then i moved to new york um well i went to tufts for a uh, tufts was easy because there was a church right there in, in on campus uh -huh. and, and it was fine but then i struggled when i moved to new york mm -hmm. um i struggled to find a place that i felt i belong to mm -hmm. um because i didn't want sort of a big cathedral feel that's just personal to me i wanted to feel like i was part of a, a community mm -hmm. of people and i hadn't been raised in a sort of a strict roman catholic church at all right <laughs> and, you know, and our upbringing and like i'm like why aren't the muslim friends here you know i was like in a totally different place <laughs> yes you know? where are the muslims <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where, why is this so you know why is everything so strict yeah um so i i struggled and i couldn't really find a home mm -hmm. um for a long time and then we moved um to north of new york city to westchester to a town called pelham small mm -hmm. town and um, one of my colleagues at work, actually, she said to me, try the Catholic church. Cause I was saying, oh, I'm, I'm nervous. Cause I want to find a home. And my kids, like my little girl is, she was like uh, six at the time. I want her mm -hmm. to have a home that she grows up in. And she said, mm -hmm. try the Catholic church. If it doesn't work for you, try the Episcopal church. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, what's that? So she <laughs> explained mm -hmm. and, um, and that's what I did. I went to the Catholic church first, just, I thought, mm -hmm. okay, let's see, you never mm -hmm. know. Um, and then I thought, let me try the Episcopal church. And I went there, it was my first time. And I tell you, I sat down and by the end of the sermon, I was just, I just knew like, this is the place, mm -hmm. the music, the sermon, the, the people in the congregation, just everything about it was so um, it wasn't, it was more than welcoming. It's just sort of the value of embracing people who are a little different or, or, you know, don't exactly come from the same mold as you. That was important to me. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna. I know um, we're both getting misty eyed. I think yeah. <laughs> crying. <laughs> yeah. It was really, it was really, um, a life-changing moment for me because I felt like, oh, I found my home. Yeah. You know? So I went back home and I told my husband, we gotta go there. Because mm -hmm. he's um he's been a member of the Unitarian Church uh -huh. his whole life. Um 
So he continued to go to the Unitarian Church in New York, but he would go to two masses on Sundays. He would first go to ours <laughs> and then he'd go to his. Um, and we just became really, we fell in love with that community in that church. And so when we moved here, it was really a big um, priority for me that we find another home. That was one, one thing we knew we were gonna really miss was that church. Mm-hmm. So it was really important that we find the right church here that we want to feel like it's not just a place you go every Sunday, but you really feel like, okay, I'm home now, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, I know. I, you know, so. Yeah. Um, and Michaela actually got confirmed there too, uh, um, mm-hmm. which was huge for her. Mm-hmm. She hadn't really felt a connection with I don't want to say with God, because that's that, that that's not for me to say, but she yeah. hadn't felt a con- strong connection with the church mm-hmm. until those confirmation classes uh-huh. at the Episcopal Church, which mm-hmm. they, it was unbelievable how incredible they were, mm-hmm. because they were adapted to the audience. I mean, they're teenagers, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, what do you expect? So they would play this game, which was called, what would Jesus do? Ah, yeah. <laughs> Which is sort of hilarious, right? Yes, they would give them all these scenarios. There was only like maybe 12 of them every year. So she uh-huh. was a small group mm-hmm. and they would play this game. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, Father, he was called Father Matt too. So uh-huh. same. You've gone from, yeah. Um, so he would, you know, he would, um, you know, he gave homework. I mean, it was serious. It wasn't like, you know, all fun and games, but mm-hmm. he would go through the, the readings and so on and mm-hmm. explained, but then they would play this game. And then he was really uh, big on um, like, he's not a foodie, but he loves to cook and mm-hmm. he enjoys a good meal and so on. So they would always either bake bread after mm-hmm. or do something like make a pizza or do something together in the kitchen uh-huh. of the church. And then they would eat. And that was that she loved it. She made friends there. It was, a, it was really I, I mean, I had yet until that point met teenagers, including myself and my own confirmation journey when I was mm-hmm. young, who like could say, oh, well, it was so much fun. I'm so, I'm so sad it's over. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was that was the experience she and that group had. And they have they have every year there. They love it. Um, I and- love the addition of doing the kind of group activity that's also a little bit like work. You know, it's not just dancing or something it's actually you make a meal together or you Mm -hmm. yeah that's right it was it was really important to them Mm -hmm. and then they had to do readings and so on you know at church Mm -hmm. um but they got into it Mm -hmm. you know that's the flip side of that right because then you're like part of this small group of kids and you want to make sure you don't you know, slack off. You want to make sure you understand what you're reading. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like the group had a very good culture. Yes. Uh, yeah. They did. They mm-hmm. did. So it was wonderful for me. And my, my mom and my uh, uncle flew and, and his, um, his wife, of course, and his children, they flew in from France uh, for her confirmation. Wow. It was wonderful for her and for me of course mm-hmm. but that's how much it meant to her like yeah. it was a big deal 
I imagine your uncle and his family were Catholic. What was it like for them to? Yeah. Well, my uncle, yes. So my, my uncle, interestingly, is, he is Catholic, but he's uh, a Palestinian originally. Uh-huh. Um, but um, so he's married to my mom's sister, who's French Catholic, mm -hmm. but they were, they didn't know what to expect. They did not know what to expect. They had no idea. We tried to explain, but you know, <laughs> they were sort of like, okay, we'll see. <laughs> and uh, oh my goodness, they came out of there and they were like, you know, where do I sign up? Like, how, oh. how can we get this church? <laughs> <laughs> it was, of course they did. Like, who wouldn't? Yeah. It was, yeah. they loved it. They absolutely loved it. Um, the bishop was incredible and a woman. So for them, it was a little bit of a shock to see a woman bishop. Mm -hmm. um, and yet she, they still wanted to sign up. <laughs> yes, oh, for sure, for sure. It's interesting, right? Like you, yeah. you, you, you don't know anything else, right? So, yeah. but then you see interpretations can indeed be, you know, uh, I always say to the kids, like, you know, if you just stick to what Jesus said, we're all, we're all we're yeah. be fine. That will be fine. I know. Right. Let's totally. just stick to that. Right. We can all agree to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's part of also growing up in Egypt. I mean, Muslim people really uh, not just respect Christians, but, you know, uh, Miriam, which is Arabic for Mary, is a mm -hmm. very common name. Mm hmm you know, so it's much more than respect. There's like a, uh, there's a value in what Christ brought mm -hmm. um, and Mary's experience. Mm -hmm. And so for me, and I think my dad had sort of, he, he, his, his approach was a little bit more dramatic, but it was a sort of like, just stick to, you know, the bare bones of, Christ's teaching, what, what, what came out of his mouth and, mm -hmm. and what we know to be true. And, and you really can't go wrong if you truly understand, you know, Christ's journey and how, what a radical he was. Mm -hmm. and that's what I, I always told the kids from, you know, since they're very young, you have, if you don't understand that aspect of things, you don't really understand the full story. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a really radical at the time to say, God loves everyone. Yeah. yeah, you know, the destitute, the poor, the, everyone. <laughs> yeah, you're all loved. I mean, isn't that beautiful? Yes. You can't go. Wrong. You know, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents that he was born blind? You know, no one sinned. <laughs> That's exactly. not how it works. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah, that's. So, but I think in the Episcopal Church, at least for me, I've seen sort of that has been more emphasized, mm -hmm. you know? And so it really resonates. Yeah. Have, so the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church in America is uh, Bishop Archbishop Michael Curry. And he wrote a book that is very much, um, I mean, he wrote a bunch of books and I'm gonna get the titles mixed up, but um, I'm thinking of the one that maybe they're all about what you just discussed. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I'll definitely. Um, 
if I could multitask, I would look it up on Zoom, but then I would, you know, and we're yeah, running yeah, out no, of time. No, no. <laughs> look it up I mean, also. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to ask you two last questions because we're running out of time. They're mm -hmm. kind of different. One is that I have just so loved um, seeing images of the stone Coptic churches in, uh, I think the town in Egypt is called Lalibela. Mm -hmm. And I've seen, um, you know, a documentary and just images of these churches carved out of solid rock where you descend into the rock to enter them. Have you ever been in one or seen one? I have. I have. And there's a few, there's one or two Coptic churches in Cairo that are also beautiful and in the same um, vein that you sort of go into them yes um they're beautiful i think and i think that was trying to to remember my experience as a child going to coptic churches it was really the experience of the setting mm -hmm. you know the setting and the the mass um there's a lot of song and a lot of um you know I don't know what the right word is. I don't want to sort of uh, disrespect it, but I just have these memories of being in a very special place that I knew from the history and just from the singing and the incense and the way people were um, um, there to pray and be connected to each other and to you know, serve in whatever way they can. Um, it's very special. I mean, and like I said, this orphanage that was right, that was stuck to the church was obviously for Muslim kids. I mean, mm -hmm. of course, yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but we never thought about that. To be honest with you, it was only when I moved to New York mm -hmm. that, that I started sort of having these moments of like, oh, what's that about? I never thought about these things. Yeah. Um, because it was just so normal. Mm -hmm. People would say, oh, you're, you're Arab woman. Oh my gosh. It must've been so hard. Like, <laughs> uh, no, not really. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like what, what are you saying? And then, you know, or all oh, the, you know, you were Christian minority. That must, must've been so hard. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that there aren't issues and problems. Of course there are. Mm -hmm. Every society has them. I don't want to like whitewash over certain very real things. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of discrimination at work and so on. That exists, absolutely. Um, but the, um, the culture, I think one of the things about um, Egypt that, that at least my dad would tell us all the time was we're Egyptian first. Everyone in this country is Egyptian first. Then we are whatever we are. Mm -hmm. You could be Christian, you could be Muslim, you could be Jewish, you could be whatever you want. Mm -hmm. But everyone is Egyptian first. And so we're deeply connected on that level. Um, so like I said, it was only when I moved to the US that I began to realize like, oh, there's a completely different understanding of what my upbringing was. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, it didn't resonate at all. Like, what are you saying? Uh, my mom was out of like the parent, the group of, that my parents socialized with. Mm -hmm. She was the only mom, and she's French, 
She was the only mom who was not a working mom. Mm. Right. So mm-hmm. all those stereotypes that people have, people yes. work, of course they work. Women, of course they were, they have to work. They, they, <laughs> they yeah. need to work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so, so it's been, that journey has been a different journey for me too, sort of mm-hmm. coming to terms with the perception of who we are and what our life was like, Yeah, you know, and reconciling that with the reality that I lived through and the very real problems that, that exist in, mm-hmm. in Egypt and other Arab countries. So those things have been also another kind of different journey, but um, yeah, so I never really thought about all these questions until I was kind of forced to mm-hmm. better understand my place in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I completely understand. Um, well, I don't completely understand because I have not lived your life or really walked in your shoes, but there are, I could, having, um, I can see through your eyes just uh, because of things I've experienced in my life. Um, mm-hmm. I, my sort of last question, if it's a question, is about your relationship with God and if there's anything you'd like to share about it, if you've had moments when you've felt particularly close to God or um, just any epiphanies or sort of significant moments. Yeah. I mean, I think in my, my personal journey, I felt very close to God when, you know, life brought me a challenge to face. I pray a lot, but not in a formal structured way. Mm-hmm. Just kind of a dialogue. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> me too, yeah. Right, so yeah. it's a very personal connection, but I have felt the intensity of it um, when I've been challenged with, you know, with life. Mm-hmm. So I think as I've always had a, a strong connection, I think, but it gets deeper as I get older. Yeah. And my dad passed away 20 years ago, which was, I don't want to say traumatic because, you know, mm-hmm. it's a circle of life, but I was fairly young at the time. Mm-hmm. And so for many years, I was unhappy with what he had missed out on, what I had missed out on, you know, mm-hmm. getting married, my kids, mm-hmm. this citizenship, you know? Yeah. But somehow I, I found comfort in praying and knowing that, you know, I think he's up there somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I was telling Sophia just last weekend that, um, when I see a rainbow, I, I've, con- I've concluded that it's my dad saying hello <laughs> because we never had rainbows in Egypt. It uh, never rained. So, you don't, <laughs> never you know. rained right. <laughs> so they're so rare. Like for me, it's like, oh my gosh, there's a rainbow. <laughs> so there was last weekend we went to Marblehead and um, Sophia's like, oh, look, a rainbow. And it was circular. Yes. I've seen a rainbow like that in my life. It was a circular rainbow. 
do you know they're all circular? It's just that the horizon butts in. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, you have to edit this out because I'm sure I look very ignorant. Right no, now. no. I'm a science geek, so that's the only reason I know that. <laughs> wow. That's extraordinary. Alfred took a picture of it while mm. Sophia and I were standing there. It's the most beautiful picture. And I yeah. said to her, Yeah, your grandfather's saying hello. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's it's beautiful and it's light. So I've sort of, it has helped me. Mm -hmm. uh, praying has helped me with the intensity of missing him. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so is there anything else you'd like to share with, you know, people listening or people at church. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. Is there anything you're particularly looking forward to when, you know, our church can meet in person? You know? Yes. We... I mean, just that alone, church yes. in person. <laughs> I mean, often I talk about it all the time. We, uh. we, I mean, we, we don't, uh, we don't want to rush there until it's safe. Right. Right. Because we're, you know, very, uh, anxious about such things but mm -hmm. but when it is safe mm -hmm. to be back mm -hmm. and to listen to the music and to have that common experience mm -hmm. with members of the community yeah and to see your little girl singing yeah <laughs> you know and meet people and invite people over we're so close mm, yeah all those things we and be part of activities that the church may you know be supporting mm -hmm. um we're very as you know we are and sophia is very uh oh yes we should, the... we should do a shout out to sophia's uh relationship with uh, elizabeth warren yes <laughs> yes she is sophia's big um, she's an activist. Yes, I love that Sophia is an activist. She's a, it's <laughs> can, wonderful. I love it too. Can, can you tell mm. some uh, of this? Uh, I don't want to keep you, um, and but anything you could share and about her, you know, the letter she sent. To yeah. <laughs> no, it was beautiful. I mean, she wanted to do something about Black Lives Matter. So mm -hmm. we talked about it. And, um, you know, I explained that you can't just like, she wanted to like um, have some, you know, gathering, mm -hmm. you know, with other middle schoolers. And I said, you know, sort of my UN days sort of kicked in. I was like, eh, that's nice, but what do you want to do with it? You have to mm -hmm. have like something else, not just, mm -hmm. you know, it's sweet and all to have, mm -hmm. you know, but you, that can't be your goal. Mm -hmm. So she thought about it and she said, well, then I need someone like to help me. Like someone who I said, yeah, exactly. You need to find someone who's already doing this kind of work and help them, you know, mm -hmm. sort of echo and amplify whatever they're doing. So anyway, long story short, she decided to write Elizabeth Warren a letter, mm -hmm. Senator Warren, and I was not allowed to see it or proofread it. Ah. Um, mm -hmm. So anyway, so I did sort of, of course, take a sneak peek and took a picture <laughs> of it because uh -huh. I wanted to have a picture of it because it was just the sweetest thing. Yes. Um, so she wrote to her and, um, we then got a phone call from her staff saying, oh, the Senator's having a, a, um, 
town hall, virtual town hall tomorrow night, would Sophia like to join? Mm -hmm. So I was sure, but then of course Sophia's like, ah, what does that mean? So, <laughs> you know, she's only 10. So. I knocked on the door and it opened and now what do I do? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it was wonderful for her. So Senator Warren, it said at some point, like, you know, Sophia has a question, Sophia. So she she invited her to participate in, in a movement she's trying to create. Mm -hmm. Sophia, you know, she's very kind of sheepishly saying, like, I have this idea and I don't know if you want to be part of it or maybe it's a bad idea. You know, I'd love to do something with my church and my school somewhere very convenient for you in Cambridge. And Seven and Warren was just fabulous. She just took the time and she said, you know, we could do something in Cambridge, but we could do something, you know, statewide or we could do something nationally. <laughs> it really depends on what you want. And, you know, mm -hmm. and um, then she circled back later and then one of our staff members called us. So it's been wonderful for, for us as a family and for Sophia in particular to feel mm -hmm. heard and supported and part of something bigger and mm -hmm. um so but she's always saying like i don't like politics i don't i don't want to be part of politics i just want to be an activist so, yes completely you exactly you don't yeah. need to be part of that mm -hmm. so yeah it was really wonderful and i'm so glad i took that picture because years from now she'll want to see it yeah you know it's just the sweetest little letter at the end she wrote something like because she was inviting her to some gathering she was going to organize. And she mm -hmm. said, P.S. Don't send a cardboard version of yourself. <laughs> it's like such a kid thing to write, you know. Yeah. Very sweet. So, yes. uh, so it's been good. The, the, the life here has, in spite of the pandemic and the restrictions, we've really made the best of it. And the, and, you know, the kids have to, both, both of them. I'm so excited for, um, you know, Sophia's uh, social justice work to, you know, take off and, yes. and grow through church exactly. and her school. Exactly. Um, so I've kept you on so long, I should let you go. But I wanted to ask, um, although in, on the podcast website, uh, like, Anchor is what we use, and then you can listen to podcasts on Spotify or other platforms, but there's no room for pictures, but when we send out the email, we include a picture, and mm -hmm. um, I was wondering if, um, you know, subject to what your family thinks, if you could, you know, share a family photo, um, no, but sure. if that's hard, you know, that's okay, but also if um, Sophia would give you permission to share a photo of the letter she wrote to Senator Warren. Yeah, no I mean, problem. I, I understand if, you know, well, the thing is, ready, if you, but you want to be an activist, you know, right, you got to get to, others involved. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I think she'll be okay, but I will ask her, I will ask her to honor her wishes. Um, but thank you. That would be incredible. We would love that. Oh, oh, good. Well, I'm going to say thank you so much, John, for talking with me today. And thank you for sharing everything with the folks listening. Thank you. I'm really very happy and excited that I had this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. 
And thank you to everyone listening to the podcast. If you would like to suggest someone to be interviewed, or if you have any ideas to share about the podcast, or if you would like to interview others, please email the Rev Matt at matt at stjamescambridge.org. And have a good day.